good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis and the late Patty Fink. It's very, very late. She'll be back next week. Uh, she, it's her birthday, so she's out celebrating. Uh, our guest today is Leo Cusimano. He is publisher of Dallas Voice. First of all, thank you for being one of our sponsors uh, right now. Um, how did you become publisher of Dallas Voice? It, it's one of those... <laughs> I, I want to publish a gay paper is not what most kids grow up dreaming to do. Yeah, who buys a paper today, right? I mean, it's like crazy, but no. Um, Robert Moore, I started The Voice in, in what, 92, I think it's been, um, mm-hmm. when I moved to Dallas, shortly after I moved to Dallas. And, you know, and, and I really was just looking for a part-time job. And... You know, moving here, kicking and screaming. I'm a Louisiana boy. Louisiana and Texas is two rival states. And so, and uh, my husband got a job at EDS back then and in Dallas. I'm like, wait, that's in Texas. You want me to move where? And so, <laughs> and so I did, uh, our agreement was I would never have to work as long as we lived in Texas. And I didn't for the first six months. And that's when I met David Taffet. Um, I did a lot of volunteering at the Resource Center. And I became a board member of the Dallas Gay Lesbian Alliance with David and uh, C.C. Cox and Deb Elder, all those folks. Um, and I had a great time. But I was volunteering over 40 hours a week. I was like, I think I better get a, get a part-time job. Walked into the office of Dallas Voice. Robert Moore hired me on the spot, and um, and he, he actually had to leave the office to uh, to let me sit in his chair to build ads. Back back then, I was I had Cork Express experience, and that's what the paper was built in—a page layout program. And it was funny. It was like he had to leave the office, and now that chair belongs to me. So about um what maybe 10 years ago um 2013 i bought the dallas voice and i think he was groom grooming me over the years and i think that's kind of how it happened you know it's a natural progression for me but dallas has a way of doing that we're going to talk later on i think about my kids and adopting kids and 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 that kind of process but you know dallas has a way of of really with a low cost of living and uh it's just an amazing place especially for the gay community but it's remarkable what you've done that you've kept the paper alive there's been other lgbt tangible um newspapers or publications in dallas they've all have gone away just to put it nicely, you know the triangle, the twit, um, <laughs> right. you know. Gosh. But but you guys are still around. What do you attribute that success to? Well, I think it's a variety of things. Um, you know, Robert Moore was a publisher that have come up the ranks um, as that I did with degree in, degree in marketing. My, my degree is in marketing, so I'm a publisher that has a business degree and not a, um, a, a liberal arts degree. And so I also think we're positioned nicely in Dallas with a lot of major um, uh, headquarters. For global headquarters for corporations here in this city and I think that also helps us um, have an advantage over other publications. Plus, and this comes from uh, Chad in Dallas, what is your core value? <laughs> yeah, core, my, and that's another thing. I think it's our core values, Laurent, that's really the, the answer there. And, and, you know, one of our core values uh, is me. gratitude, right? I, I need to go out of the <laughs> office and hold my ears and scream while he's saying this. 
they they love hearing me say that and and no but I, I I also think that it's a niche publication so to answer your question niche publications are doing better than daily publications mass media publications there's not a gay CNN out there for our community to go to so get to get local in-depth comprehensive coverage to read David Taffet every week right you have to turn to the Dallas voice and um, the Hispanic publications are the same the African-American publications are the same as well those communities gravitate to those publications and, and one thing I can say about Leo as a boss like he'll suggest something and my normal answer is yeah I'm not going to do that <laughs> but he's learned to accept that. <laughs> As Laurent has learned to accept a lot of things with David Davin. Exactly. <laughs> sitting in these chairs, sitting across from, them, from this guy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what difference can a newspaper make? Well, really, um, we're the voice of the community. So if you think about it, if you think about a gay dentist that um, has practiced for years and goes out of business, right? It's just a gay dentist that goes out of business. If the gay media company goes out of business, you, you, you lose a tremendous amount. You lose a voice for that community. So we really do make a difference in terms of making sure that um, voices are heard and also create, creating change. I know that um, over the years, I'm very proud of the stuff that we've brought to light. Um, I remember the, the prime example I think about is the Omni Hotel. Everybody was, the city created this, um, this city-owned hotel and wanted somebody to management manage it Omni Hotel raised their hand and um, and everybody was like oh great Omni's great let's look and, and even the the chamber was excited about it until we did the research until the Dallas voice actually did the research and found out that um, Omni at the time did not have um, domestic uh, benefits for their LGBT folks they didn't have a uh, resource group they didn't have a lot of things that they didn't have non-discrimination policies in place yes they didn't have the discrimination policies in, uh, in place. And so um, everybody was kind of backtracking at that. Now they do. That location did. I don't know if the corporate... The corporate did, but not immediately. They started it with their downtown hotel, with the city-owned hotel. Yep. Um, you know, it was one of those things. I think once they started doing it, they saw it wasn't that hard to do, to just say, we're not going to discriminate against our LGBT employees. That's all they had to do doesn't cost you anything to not discriminate. It costs you money when you start firing people and you are discriminating and you have to go out and hire and train and get all new people in there. So when they found that these policies weren't very difficult, they expanded it. That's right. And, and, you know, and at the time, the city, the, the uh, uh, gay city council members as well were like, oh, great, Domney, but until they uh, started reading the mm -hmm. Dallas Voice and, and, and was like, oh, wait, we need to make, we need to do something about this. And they did. They did. They made sure that the company to move forward changed their policies. And So I have one from just this week. Mm -hmm. Um, a certain property that's on Cedar Springs Road, an apartment complex that, with two branches across the street from each other, diagonally across the street from each other, changed hands on March 1st. Mm. And the new company came in and fired the old employees. Uh, they didn't have new things in place like trash pickup or pool maintenance or putting out poop bags for their dog parks. Um, and things started piling up, so to speak. Morning News ran a story about how wonderful this new transition to the largest property ownership company in North Texas is going. Dallas Voice ran a story 
saying the poop is piling up. (laughs) And uh, they're trying to make amends with their tenants by catering a little reception for them with Chick-fil-A in a building that's probably 90% gay. Uh, So we printed that. Three hours later, code compliance showed up, shut down the pool area. Uh, Who knows knows what these uh, citations they issued were, but they were there for the rest of the afternoon and came back the next morning. So it was much worse than anything I reported, but it sure made a difference. Right. That's the power of publishing. I mean, you know, we can, David and I can give you many examples of, over the years um, with DISD, with um, uh, the city of Dallas, um, and, you know, where uh, policies were changed after we brought to light um, inaccuracies, um, uh, discrimination, and, you know, creating a path for that. I mean, that's what I love about what we do is that we help create change. It, for, from a reader perspective, it's made a tremendous change also, you know, uh, of course, when I moved back to Dallas from D.C., um, we were giggly just to even find out that there was a Dallas publication. And, you know, you crave that community. You crave that to be around your your, your people. And besides the the club scene, you know, it was the Dallas Voice where you found out they had all the different community groups. Nothing like that has was around. Of course, now LGBT news and content is so um, it's, it's everywhere on the internet. But this is before the internet was even a thing. So it, it definitely plays a part. I'll say in just little folks like myself. Um, it was we definitely loved and depended on that that type of information. Well, that's a good example though, Laron, because we started Dallas Voice in 1984 as a newspaper, a community newspaper. Back then, there was no internet and mm-hmm. email and social media. Mm-hmm. Even when I started in 92, they didn't have those kind of things. I had one thing to sell, an ad in a paper. You know, and today, we're no longer just a newspaper. We're a media company. And I would imagine that every paper out there, if they're anything will have a website we have a website that we that we post daily we have a weekly e-blast that comes out every friday with twenty thousand uh, opted in subscribers um we have social media um that we um, channels that we post on with almost forty thousand friends followers and fans we do video we do a magazine there's so many different things that we do now that's that really uh makes up uh, a media company instead of just a newspaper now i have to object to 19 1992, we did have America Online. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, and I still have my America Online uh, uh, wow. email. Wow, uh, with, we did, but it was still not. It wasn't what it is now. It wasn't what it is now, and majority of people still did not. A lot of people didn't even have internet access until 1992. Right, right, right. right. That's right. true. Yeah. That's true. Um, how does a paper like the Dallas Voice remain objective, or doesn't it? three other stations in the Dallas area that aren't uh, listen to one of them. Yeah, and you know, it's not an easy job. I mean, David, when I met David in 92, um, you know, uh, raising his fist at, at, um, at everything in terms of looking at, you know, the injustices that were done at the time with HIV and AIDS, and we were fighting for that and chalking the, the people on the sidewalks in front of City Hall. He was an activist. 
And so was I at the time. And my husband was like, well, you know, Leo, I'm not attracted to activists. And that's another story. But anyway, um, then maybe that's why I got a job in newspaper. But, um, but, you know, so David is an activist. And in, for David, it's sometimes very difficult. He has to sit on his hands and write with his pen in his mouth sometimes because he wants to use his activist voice when he's writing. But he's very that's good at what he does. I have an editor. <laughs> because without an editor, I would be saying some things that I shouldn't be saying. That's true. That's so, true. Well, uh, Tony is not attracted to activists. We'll be talking to Leo more about that right after our break. You're listening to Land Weekly on. I almost said you're listening to Dallas Voice. I'm confused where I am right now. Uh, you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis, and our guest is Leo Cusimano, publisher of Dallas Voice, and we'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. Hi, this is Candy Markham, and I listen to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. Listen. And welcome back to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis. Patty will be back with us next week. And our guest today is Leo Cusimano, publisher of Dallas Voice. Um, we were talking a little bit about the newspaper, but what uh, I, I invited Leo to come in to talk about a whole variety of things. Okay, in the last segment you just said Tony is not attracted to activists. So how did you two get together? <laughs> how did we get together? Like, like, like... 40 years ago, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, right. You knew each other from New Orleans before right, you even no, moved here. Right, yeah, we, we right. went to college together. I was 18 and he was 20 when we got together. And, you know, he was dating this girl and treating her all wrong. And I'm like, you need to open a door for her. I'm trying to train and I'm still trying to train him today. And it's, it's not working. I just give up. But no, we met and fell in love and had a lot of things in common. And, you know, you know growing up as long as we had, you kind of grow and, you know, we were lucky to grow in the same direction. You know, for 40 years. 40 so, years. 40 wow. Years, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. It was one of these things where, you know, I just, you know, everybody says everybody falls in love and gets hurt at least once. Well, I'm, I'm not out to prove that wrong, but it's, it's been proving so far. So. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, okay, so Patty and I will always tell you and tell any of our guests who have kids, and we like to tell Iran this, we were not born with the parenting gene. Uh, you have two kids. <laughs> Laurent did his the natural way with a surrogate. <laughs> okay, we're <not> cutting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at the natural way because we did not way. do that. <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> you went through CPS. I did, um, Child Protective Services. Um, and uh, Tony, you know, has always wanted kids. And for us, I think for a long time he was waiting for me to grow up, and he just decided I'm not going to wait any longer. And I was 45, and it was like, we have to do this. And we did, and I agreed, and we went through pride training, which I would love to say that's LGBT training, right? But it's not. It means something else in CPS. But um, we went through that training to do foster and adoption. And we were looking to just do adoption, but the, to, to get a child for, through the private the public um, segment, you have to do uh, get trained in both. And, 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 and literally, it, even if they do go straight to adoption like ours did, you still they have to still be in your home for six months as foster kids. And then you go through the court system. So you guys adopted way before marriage equality became law. Right. It's been 14 years. Um, uh, and so, yeah, we, I, Jeff was three and Elijah was um, eight. 
um, and they came to us and said, hey, we have this beautiful little boy. He even looks like you guys. I see that you checked the box. and He has a brother. How old of a sibling would you take? I'm like, um, seven? They said, how about eight? I'm like, nope, sorry, seven and a half. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so, sure, yes. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's that process. But CPS um, uh, likes to work with LGBT couples because we're open to taking kids with special needs. We're open to taking multiple kids and uh, building our fam- families any way we can. And so we were kind of courted from CPS. Hey, you guys should adopt too as well from, you know, friends that we knew. So it doesn't work the way the SPCA works that they put out all these oh, wow. kids and you get to choose. No, right. um, CPS... <laughs> picked out a, a couple of kids for you well you 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 can set some parameters so if you're looking for a blue-eyed baby girl white you're gonna wait for several years you know we said we didn't really have uh, we didn't have a lot of uh, parameters for us with black white boy girl we just the, our only parameter was we did not want an infant And so um, both of us worked and we wanted a kid that we can adopt and be able to uh, to to raise without, you know, diapers and that mess. Okay, Lauren. So tell us about diapers and that mess. (laughs) You know what? It's it's, it's not a pretty it's not a pretty uh, 12 months to go through, Um, but you get through it and yeah, it goes it goes by pretty quick. I love babies, but that was the one thing I was not looking forward to. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, for us, you know, and Ron, you probably echo this as well. You know, when you have kids, you know, know, your job really is to teach them responsibility and and respect and and right from wrong and you know consequences to make sure that they know that there are good consequences and bad consequences out there for us it was also important to teach them uh character development and uh leadership and so we put the boys in they they were interested in scouting i'm an eagle scout and so they were interested in going into that program which does teach leadership development outdoor skills and and character development and so it was really good for them and at the end of the day you know you hope that you've you've um, raised kids that um, that are respectful and that um, are you know are polite and don't curse man curse but (laughs) but you know it's it is it's a journey and absolutely you know I mean you can probably say the same thing right? oh absolutely I mean to the T and what about spoiling them Spoiling them? Yeah, you would never do that. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I mean, when we first got... I receive the Amazon packages in the office (laughs) normally. (laughs) The many Amazon Multiple deliveries a day. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, you know, I wanted to ask you about this. So, again, you... You all had children before it became... I hate to use to say in style, but it's not uncommon now to meet a gay and lesbian couple who have a child. True. Um, but back when you did it, I'm not saying you were the very first, but you were definitely with the first in that group. Um, what has it been like for your children to be the kids of, of a same-sex couple? Um, I think that's a really good question, and I wish Jeff was here to answer that question. But no, um, 
Uh, here's the situation. I wanted to. I'm, I'm glad you asked me that question because I like to tell the story. You know, when when Elisha was in elementary school, Tony would bring him every day to school. And this one time, I had to bring him, and I brought him in. I needed to talk to the teacher, so you sit at this really low table close to the ground, and you, you know, there's like four or five kids sitting around the table. And at that age, they ask anything. You know, and, and I'm sitting there with Elijah, and this this kid, I can see him thinking. I can see the gears rolling in his head, and he's like, who are you? I'm like, well, I'm Elijah's dad. And again, those wheels started going yep. off in his head, and, and he's yep. like, and you can see the light bulb go off. And he goes, oh, you must be the stepdad. And I said, no, Elijah has two dads. And again, those those gears are turning, and, and that light goes off again. He's like, wow, I wish I had two dads. You know, and that's the kind of response that we get from yeah. kids today because they see other kids that have two moms or a single dad or a grandparent that's raising a kid. You know, so the makeup of kids today in school, that their family of origin is very different than it was back right. when we were probably kids. That's like one of my favorite stories. Uh, Temple Emmanuel, uh, the head rabbi, his, uh, his wife is also a rabbi. And when his kids were really young, they were playing with one of their best friends and their best friends uh, were raised by two dads. So uh, one of Rabbi's uh, kids says to the other kid, how come you have two dads? And he said, I don't know why you got two rabbis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 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 I echo what you're saying. You know, it's, it's unfortunate now that we're having to deal with all the uh, I guess anti-LGBT legislation coming out like what just happened in Florida that has now become law. They don't say gay um, mm -hmm. bill, you know, which targets kids from kindergarten to which third I grade. love because you have to say gay to say not don't say gay. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So you know, and it's in within those age, those very important times between kindergarten and third grade, where kids' curiosity is natural right. when they see something that they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. Usually, they're asking out of genuine curiosity, not out of hate. Um, and now we're stifling that. You know, we've made so much progress. Well, it it's okay to ask, you know, if you see a kid with two moms or two dads, you know, well, what's going on? But now they can't even say that. So I feel like we're taking such step back. Uh, we're backpedaling on what the progress we have made. Um, and I, I just hope that never spreads to Texas or, you know. Well, I absolutely states. agree that we're, we're you know, we're, we're taking steps back. And, and David and I can tell you over the years that, you know, we've seen the community taking steps forward and as always steps back. You mm -hmm. have it's two steps forward, two steps back. But um, but that's true. You know, and, and, and for, for me, for my kids, you know, they were, you know, it's it's a. Tony and I don't show a lot of affection together, you know, but this one time I came home from work and I kissed Elijah. I mean, I kissed Tony and um, Elijah saw me and he said, you're gay, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, the activist in me came out and was like, yes, I am. And Tony's just shaking his head and put his hands to his forehead and going, <laughs> Leo, Leo, this is a, a learning opportunity. You know, you should say, so what do you mean by that? Or how did you, where'd you hear that from? Or, you know, right, and right. start conversating you know, me. I was like, yes, I am kind of thing. You know, if even, even for us, it's difficult sometimes to kind of look at uh, answering those kind of questions. But we, you know, you and I both are fortunate that we live in um, an urban area. I think outside of, of, of urban areas, I think the community has a lot more struggles. Um, I tell you, I don't know if it gets you angry all the time. When, when the four of us go to dinner 
and at the end of the dinner they come and say will this be one check or two god that oh, makes me yes, so angry yes, if that yes. was a mom and dad with two kids they would We're never not, have they would said never that. say that you yeah know? but probably they'd Gosh. give the check to the dad Assuming that the woman would never be paying. No, that's black, true, right. too. Right. Yeah, no, she yeah, probably so, gets angry, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She should. Right? And, uh, you know, another thing that uh, a pet peeve of mine is when I have to fill out forms, and then and it just says mom or dad. Oh, exactly. Oh, my God. I'm yes. like, this is 2022. At least have parent one or parent two. Right, especially when you, like, Jeff goes to a, a private school, and, and you go to these private schools, and it's like, I'm paying how much money? You're going to change this form. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> so I just have to fill out a long form. Because my daughter's going on a field trip and all these waivers and so forth. Right. And, oh, my God, I think there's like five different pages where it said mom, I'm father, and mother. And I went and re-edited it. And <laughs> oh, I, I do the same I, I made it, I made it look really neat, father and father. And then, you right. know, I usually don't do this on my signatures, but I put his and him. That's how I identify him. When I uh. put Danny's name, my husband's, <laughs> but his and him. I want it crystal clear. These are two men. She has two dads. Right, right. Yeah, that's so annoying. And she must really appreciate you for that. <laughs> you know, but She knows how I am. We do live in, in, in an urban area, and I can tell you that this one time, um, Elijah went to Notre Dame, uh, which is uh, a kid, which is a school for kids with special needs, and mm -hmm. he was there for 12 months, um, and he was just in one classroom didn't have to move from classroom to classroom at the end of the 12 months the principal came to me and she said you know leo this school is almost 50 years old and we don't have an lgbt parent association would you start one i'm like you you're asking the gay dads to start a parent teacher association in uh this catholic school you know it's not a diocese school but still right you know but i think you you, you don't really you wouldn't really find that outside of dallas you know mm -hmm. you wouldn't find mm -hmm. that same kind of situation where you know um uh, I think you know, it's elevated in rural areas, uh, the discrimination. So, And what's it been like for the kids with their peers? You know, it's really different today. I mean, I think all kids, not just kids from LGBT parents, but all kids are defining things differently and stuff, mm -hmm. you know. I think, you know, for my older son, he, th he thinks the, the gay thing is weird, you know, um, even to this day. But, um, you know, for us with kids from foster care, you have to have stability. You have to have regularity. You have to have routines, you know. And he knows he's loved, and um, I think he's just, you know, uh, kid with special needs um jeff um is still defining who he is you know and yeah. you know and so I, I don't think they're they're as t as in tune to say i'm gay i'm straight i'm bi you know i'm like i'm, I'm you know and i think that's their activism is i'm non-binary i you know i'm uh you know it's it's very different today all right you know all right. Hmm. um okay so I want to go back to the CPS part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, a, a lot of people who want to uh, adopt, they think they can't. CPS, even though it's a branch of the state, has never done anything but welcome the LGBT community to adopt kids. That's true. I mean, you know, back um, 14 years ago when we did, even prior to that, uh, I had a friend of mine that adopted two kids from the foster care system, and, and they were very welcoming. Um, you know, and, and it's, that's the, because it, it, that's such a tough um, place to be. There's over 500,000 kids in foster care. Many of them will age out of the system. 
you know, Elisha probably would have aged out of the system if we haven't, hadn't adopted him, mm -hmm. you know. And so, you know, they need all the help and all the parents that are willing to step up and go through the training and go through uh, criminal background checks and, and um, CPR training and all the other things that we do. So that was what I was going to ask you. First of all, what do you have to do for CPR, C CPS training? CPR, CPR is part of that. It's part of it. <laughs> um, did you have to go through any of that since Danny was actually adopting? No. No. Nope. Uh, Danny. Um, but my yeah, Danny, Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah Danny. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at you and thinking, no, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, this is Laurent. That's Patty. Right. So... And that was because your adoption, and when we say adoption, um, you had so I had you had Gabrielle through a surrogate. I had there, Gabrielle through a surrogate, so I don't need to adopt my own child, my own biological child. We did have to go through, I guess, a second parent adoption, but it's in another state. It was really so you didn't have to do all the no, stuff. No, it was CBS really here required. because there's called the thing of intended parents. Danny was already listed in a pre-order. It's called the pre-birth order of being the intended parent. So really, the uh, the judge really just signed off on it after everything was done. We didn't even have to appear in court. It was really a formality. Okay. We'll get up to what you had to do in Texas uh, for that, but just uh, the CPS training mm -hmm. uh, to foster. What are some of the things? You have to learn a little bit of CPR. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, it's it's a good three-month kind of course that you have to take um, every week going in, and um, and they they share with you um, all the things that you'll see in, in, in foster care, and um, you do have to, 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 to learn CPR. You have to get a criminal background check. Um, they come into your home and do a home study. Yeah. What are they looking for in the home? Uh, they're basically making sure that it's safe. Uh, so you, you're required to have smoke detectors and um, fire um, fire extinguishers. You need to have an evacuation plan posted as well. Um, and you have to, you know, make sure there's not sharp objects. If you have pets, then you need to um, show them the certificates. Um, the the rabies certificate and all the shot shot certificate stuff you know so and and also you know for us we had a two bedroom place and we're adopting two kids and so they they wanted us to create a, a third bedroom which was easy for us we had a large um, <clears throat> living room that we just put up a wall and a couple of walls and created a space so um, there are those kind of things that that you have to do um, and, and and things like. Some of those sound almost silly, but posting an evacuation mm -hmm. plan, some of these kids go from home to home to home. Yeah, we were their fourth placement, right? Mm. And, um, and so, you know, it is. It's, uh, when they do go from home to home to home, those homes, are, are uh, they've had home studies and, and that kind of stuff. But I'm saying just the layout of each home is different. Mm -hmm. And they should get to know it pretty quickly, but yeah. it's a just-in-case type of thing. Um, what about uh, medicines being locked up, things like that? Yeah, so you, you know that you have to do fire drills. Um, you have to have cabinets that are locked for any kind of medicine or um, like a thing, cleaning, uh, like cleaning, cleaning fluids. fluids and that kind of stuff needed to be in a locked. So cabinets. it's okay if uh, Laurent's daughter drinks some cleaning fluid but not your son is, is that the message there no it's just good parents on parenting i'm sure he has locks on his cabinets too right laron 
<laughs> yeah, not so much. It's, 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 it's called watching your children. <laughs> I've never had that problem. I watch my kids, especially when she was a toddler. Right. You watch what they do. Well, why don't we take our break? <laughs> We're talking parenting, and I, I admit it, I don't have the parenting gene. Uh, you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis and Leo Cusimanos, our guest. More parenting tips and how you purchase a child, or is, is that what it is? No. No. That's illegal. Oh, okay. Uh, right after this. <laughs> This is Jake Winters from Leicester, England, and I listen to Lambert Weekly on KNON 89.3 FM. And this is Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. I'm Dave Taffet here with Laurent Landis. Patty will be back with us next week, and our guest next week is Valletta Lill, so that should be a fun conversation. Um, Leo Cusimano, publisher of Dallas Voice, is here with us. We're talking about how he adopted. Did I get the right word? Yes. Yes, he did. But it, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so, I guess, you know, you, you talked about the process and how CPS has always been opening to LGBT couples. Um, but I think there's another misnomer that it takes forever. You know, I think some people think, okay, you go through the process, you get the certificate, and you may not get a placement for a year or two. That's not always true either. It really depends. Each child, each circumstance is different. You know, for us, um, we got our, our license in May, and we were a match with Jeff in July. That quickly. That is very quick. Very quickly. Now, we didn't see either boys, uh, either one of the two boys, until December. A picture either, you know. Um, CPS still had to go through the process. The mother had already relinquished her rights. She mm -hmm. signed off. The boys have the same mom, different dads. So they're half-brothers. And so Elijah's dad, we knew, and um, they was able to get that signed off. Jeff's dad, we didn't know. And so they had to do that process of going through and um, uh, publishing the stuff, and, 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 and that, that's what happened. And so... And tell me if this is none of my business uh, or something you don't want to say on the air. What was the reason that they were relinquishing their parental rights? Well, I think for the mother, um, had some trouble with um, uh, the father, you know, Elijah's dad, um, abusive, abusive relationships and that kind of stuff. And, and also, um, she had um, FAS as well growing up. Um, and so she had a lot of time, trouble taking care of herself, much less two kids with special needs on medication and, and doctor appointments and that kind of stuff. So, you know, um, I think um, after the fourth time they've come in into the home to take the kids, I think she's, you know, she, she realized that she... That it was better for the kids. Better for the kids, right. So sometimes uh, a parent is actually, it seems like a horrible, cruel thing to do to give up your kids. They're actually doing it for the sake of the kids. Right. And, that, and that, that was the case. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, actually, I think that's more times than not. Yeah, and you know, and then you, the the other question in the same realm is uh, open adoption or closed adoption. You know, and for us, um, we were open to having 
the kids have a relationship with their biological um, parents, but um, we really didn't um, act on that until Elijah turned 18 and he came to us and he said, well, you know, because the boys really didn't talk about the parents, you know. And so when Elijah turned 18, he's like, um, I want to reach out to my mom. And and I had been, she had, she had been on Facebook and I had been watching her on Facebook, not friending her, but just watching her feeds on Facebook. And I'm like, well, here's, here's a picture of your mom on Facebook. And his eyes lit up really big, you know. And Elisha was always um, fearful that um, um, that his mom uh, was going to have some trouble with his dad. So he's always um, worried about his mom. And so he wanted to reach out to her. And she lives um, like three hours away. And so we took him to see the mom. And uh, and uh, it was really good. And they see the, their mom once a year or twice a year sometimes. You know, we reach out to them. We went to Tennessee to see his aunt um, up there when, on a vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really good. It was really good to kind of have him connect with some cousins. Jeff was three, so he didn't really, you know, know. He didn't remember, cousins. but at eight you remember who your cousins yeah, were. exactly. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, okay, so... Once you had the kids, you didn't meet them before they came into your house, did you? Right. So, yeah, we were matched in July, and so we didn't get to see them until December. So we had to wait to, to, for CPS to do that process. We got a thick book with, um, you know, police reports and medical records and all this stuff on, on the kids, and, and we knew what we was do, getting into. And police reports, it wasn't the three-year-old Jeff had committed armed robbery, was it? No, no. No, it was more the, the restraint orders and that kind of stuff from the father. From the right? parents, yeah. Right. And so we met them in December in Fort Worth and uh, uh, at a foster um, home in Fort Worth and we drove out there um, every Saturday and again on Sunday we were not able to take the kids with us but we could take them to a park in the neighborhood but um, and we did and it was um, the first time we met them was amazing we we knock on the door and we go in and Jeff runs up and jumps in Tony's arms oh so he knew why you were there I don't know that he knew with that I think he I think in his little head he probably knew, but um, and Elijah came, sat really close to me, you know, and 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 held my arm, you know, kind of thing, and um, and you know, we told him who we were and that we were looking to adopt them and looking to build a forever family, you know, kind of thing, and mm-hmm. um, and so every weekend after that, and then March came along and we were they were free to be um, placed in our home under foster care. And so they had to be in our home for six months before I can legal, legally adopt them. So during that time, they were foster kids. And as foster kids, there's certain things that you can't you can't spank your kids in foster care. You know. You know that sounds. And the first time I heard that rule, it was like, well, I'm not big on spanking kids, Maybe. but every once right. in a while, you know, why is that forbidden? It's because it could bring back memories of some exactly. of the abuse. Right. Now, there are things that they train you in foster care, as you mentioned earlier. Would CPS train you in, in pride training? One of the things is restraints, and so we had to use that technique um, uh, a, a time or two as well. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, it's, it's different. So they were, they're in your home for six months. Then you um, go to court, and, as you know, I, I adopted them myself, um, and then Tony did the second parent adoption. 
option six months later. Because that's all that was legal at the time. Absolutely. And at the time, we had to we went to San Antonio to do the second parent adoption because um, at the time, uh, the court uh, in Dallas County, if you went, the clerk decided which judge to see. And she can, she or he can send you to the wrong judge, and that judge would say, I'm not doing that. Now, most judges love, uh, most judges across the board love adoptions because they deal with family law most of the day, which is divorces and all this kind of stuff. And so adoption is one of the positive things that they do, and they let the kids go behind the desk mm-hmm. and take pictures, right? Yep. And yep. and so we did that. And so, yeah, um, in Austin, the, the, the county there is different. The, the attorney gets to pick the judge that they go to, um, not the clerk. The clerk, the clerk tells, says, "Hey, these are the judges out there. Which one you want?" And they pick the right one, and we it's go. It's called get judge it shopping. Judge shopping, right? That's yeah. it. Yeah. So you you can judge shop to go to a, a judge that is going to not automatically sign off on this, but is very open to an LGBT family. Yeah, we used an attorney out of Austin that was very experienced in this, and she's an, 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 an activist in LGBT adoptions, um, and so she knew exactly which judge to go to mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Now, the difference, it's changed today. Today, you can go to Dallas County and have no problems getting an, an adoption pass with, with, you know, with, with no fear. Well, and not so in Tarrant County. You would think the fastest-growing county in the country uh, would be open to LGBT, and yet um, the two guys from Plano who put on the teddy bear party, they've been on our show a number of times, uh, they went to Tarrant County because they used a surrogate. Uh, The surrogate lived in Tarrant County. They thought that would be convenient. Makes sense. And the judge wouldn't sign off on the adoption. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So during the... When, from the time the child, uh, the, the kid, the kids actually. And that was adopting their own kids. Wow. Adopting each other's kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure you're finished. Yeah. Okay. So um, the, from the time the children actually come into your home, six months until you can actually file for, to adopt them. During the intermittent time, is it possible for the kids to be removed? Yeah. Because you're, you're just foster parents. Removed from from the, your home. Yeah, um, yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, although CPS had us down as um, the attended uh, um, uh, parents. Okay. Okay. Know, so we were in the system as lined up to, to adopt the, the boys. But technically, you're there as it's like foster parents. And I asked that because yeah. I can't think that's a fear of some people because I have heard of it happening. Well, let me let me explain, though. I mean, I, I think the answer to that is yes. So what happens is, so what happens is CPS gives, a, when they take a, a child from a parent, they give that parent 12 months to get straight, get off of drugs, get therapy, um, go, you know, get well or whatever to, mm-hmm. to kind of get, because they really want that children to remain in their with their parents now if that if that environment is not safe for the child or dangerous or is not the best place then they're, they're going to you know do all they can for the safety of the child but their first option is to try to get that parent to um better to to where they can uh, take their child back and the second option after that is not the the us the second option after that is family members. 
So mm-hmm. they will look in at family members to see if there's any family members that would go through the pride training and do the same thing as as us. The the family uh, sibling the the family would still have to do that training, but they look at that as well. And and once those options are exhausted, then they look at okay, we need to find a, a forever family. For and that. in your kid's okay. case, there was no family member that was willing to step up. Correct. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so when you did the adoption, you had to do the adoption separately, and in many cases, that's still going on. Um, Texas wouldn't allow you and Tony to adopt your two kids together in one legal motion, right? That's correct. Mm-hmm. So what? how did it work? You adopted first, and Tony was what? Um, so, yeah, so I adopted first and, um, you know, for me, I was just, I was really looking to expand our family. Um, my sister lives here as well. Um, we're from New Orleans and my mom and dad died and my brother died. And so we felt like we had this incredible shrinking family. And so it was, you know, Kay adopted a a little girl from China and I adopted the, the, the two boys. But, you know, for me, um, you know, I had... Um, that's why we, Tony and I decided to have them Q Semanos instead of Quavis. But um, uh, we, um, you know, for me, I had to do the adoption first. And then six months later, you know, after we did another home study, Tony was able to do the second parent adoption. So you had to go through another whole home study, even mm-hmm. though it was the same home. Absolutely. It was and the same study, wow. the same house, Expense, the same kids. Expense as well. Mm-hmm. How much do, does it cost approximately? Oh, or did gosh, it? It's been... Years, I want to say it was like seven hundred bucks or something like that. You mean the state didn't cover it? Hmm? The, the state doesn't cover that. So no, it's coming the, from not CPS. For this, not for the second parent adoption. Oh, not for the second parent. Right. Gotcha. Right. They so figure current. one parent done. Well, and, you know, and and you know, depending on the situation with CPS, um, if you adopt uh, siblings or um, a family group, it's considered a special needs adoption, and there are subsidies that go with that. So. Um, during the period that you were the adoptive parent, mm-hmm. what was Tony? Does he lose his foster parent title? No, he, he retains that as... So, right. so these children have an adoptive parent and a foster parent at the same time. Right. Isn't, that's odd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's just odd. Mm-hmm. So six months later, you went back to San Antonio mm-hmm. and went through this whole adoption. Right. Um, was that traumatic for the kids or was it... A happy occasion. No, it was a happy occasion. It, you know, for us, we we played it as a vacation. Um, San Antonio is a pretty place, you know, and uh, the the Riverwalk and stuff. And so, and um, they had gone through the process with me once, and so it's like let's do this again, you know. And so, yeah, it was it was very very okay. positive, you know. Um, and the and the boys have to actually, you know, in the mic say yes, I do want, you know, these two guys to be my father's kind of thing you know oh really they have to actually voice that to the judge interesting yeah i mean they they just need to say yes but yeah yeah oh wow um okay so once you're an adoptive parent out of cps adopting out of cps Mm -hmm. there are some advantages to doing that and i'm saying this not because it's a way to make money but it's a way to defray some of the expenses because i know i've spoken to some gay couples who've said over over the years Oh, having a kid is just so expensive, I can't do it. One of them that I can think of is free college. 
Um, right. So a lot of times, you know, as I mentioned, if you have a kid with special needs or if you adopt a sibling group, and for me it was both of those things, um, uh, we, the kids um, are on Medicaid. Um, and they also get uh, a subsidy each month until the uh, age of 18. And then they also get college paid for um, if you go to a state college. Right. You know, so those are the three Anywhere elements. Anywhere within Texas. Hmm? Anywhere within yeah, Texas. Exactly. And, and all states are, are different, but I, I would imagine it's the same in other states. You have to go to that state's state school. And with what college education has done over the last few years, that's a huge one. College education. He's talking about high school and middle school. I mean, you know, private school is is expensive. I mean, Jeff goes to um, a private school and it's $28,000 a year. You know, it's very expensive. So, yeah, yeah, it comes with subsidies and stuff, but it doesn't match. The, the volume of stuff that you have to... And, of course, that, that's why I prefaced it by saying I'm not saying that this is a way to make money off of... <laughs> right. I mean, you've seen the Amazon packages. It's expensive. It's expensive. <laughs> it's, some of those packages are big and have multi-things in them. So, no, no, no. I'm just saying there are some things that help defray some of the costs. Does, yes. uh, and that does make a difference. Um, so we have one more minute. Just your advice to people who are thinking about it. Um, I, I would say go for it. If you really want, for me, it, it, it was very important to count, to stand for something, to, to have it mattered that I lived at all, to leave a legacy, to give back. And so that's why I did this. That's why I went through that process and expanded our family. to Because I think it's just really important. And there's so many kids out there that if, if you have any inclination of doing it, there's lots of different ways to do it. The way that Laurent did it, the way that I've done it, there's, um, I, you know, lots Lots of different pro- ways and programs that you can um, expand your family in the LGBT community. And if somebody would just just wants to go through the training just to see if it's something that they might be interested in, mm-hmm. Jonathan's Place is one place exactly. that does this. Mm-hmm. Um, my advice is to look at the Dallas Voice. We'll, we'll bring it back to that. We do a family life special section every July, and that really details all of the different places, and um, uh, from attorneys to foster homes to pride training and all the things you need to help build your family. Great. Yep. Well, Leo, thank you for spending so much your Sunday with us. So good to us. see you. Same here. Same here. Thanks for having me back, guys. And um, uh, our guest next week is Valletta Lil should be a fun one uh, for all of us here at Lambda Weekly. Have a good week.